Chapter 7 of The Dawn of Medieval Europe, 476 to 918, by J. H. B. Masterman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Benedict of Nursia and Columban. At about the same time that Justinian was drawing up his code of Roman law among the splendors of Constantinople, a lonely monk on an Italian mountain was drawing up the rule that was destined to regulate the monastic life of Western Europe for seven hundred years. Monasticism had its earliest home in the East, where at the end of the fourth century Basil of Cappadocia drew up a body of regulations for the life of the monasteries. The monastic idea gradually spread to the West, and in the dark days of the break-up of the Roman civilization of Gaul and Italy, many men sought refuge in the austerities of the religious life, either in small communities or as hermits in complete isolation. Among all these men one name stands conspicuous, that of Benedict of Nursia. He was born about the year 480, just after the accession of Odoacer to the kingship of Italy. The little town of Nursia, which was his birthplace, lay under the shadow of the Apennines, about twenty miles from Spoleto. His parents were in a good position and were able to give their son an education at Rome, whither he was sent while still a boy. Shocked and startled by the wickedness of the city, he determined after a time to abandon his studies and adopt the monastic life. Accompanied by his nurse, he set out in search of a deserted place where he might give himself to meditation and prayer, and after staying for a time at Aphida, he fled secretly across the hills to Subiaco, where he met a monk named Romanus, who admitted him to the monastic order, and took him to a cave on the hillside where he stayed for three years hidden from the eyes of men. Here Benedict passed through a time of contest, resisting with difficulty the allurements of the world that he had forsaken. On one occasion, in his determination to conquer unholy desires, he is said to have plunged naked into a thicket of thorns and nettles. And a beautiful old legend tells how, when St. Francis of Assisi visited the monastery seven hundred years after, the thorn bushes suddenly turned into roses. Gradually the fame of the young hermit spread throughout the district, and the monks of the neighborhood monastery of Varia, requested him to become their abbot. A short experience served to show that his rule was too strict for them, and he returned for a time to his home in the wilderness. But now from all parts of Italy men who desired to enter the monastic life flocked to him, so that before long there were no less than twelve monasteries around Subiaco under his rule. About the year 528, moved by a desire for greater solitude and partly also by the opposition of some of the neighboring clergy benedict with a few friends left subiaco and travelled southwards to monte cassino the celebrated hill about halfway between rome and naples that was destined to become the centre of the benedictine monastic movement it is characteristic of the confusion of the times that the little party of monks found on their arrival that the peasants still offered sacrifice to Apollo at an altar on the hillside. This altar Benedict destroyed, erecting in its place a Christian church. 
for fifteen years benedict remained at monte cassino and many are the miracles recorded in the life of st benedict by gregory the great which is our chief source of information about him one of the most interesting episodes in gregory's life is the interview between the saint and the great gothic warrior totila totila first put the powers of the holy man to the test by sending his sword-bearer disguised in his armour and attended by his body-servants to the abbot who promptly penetrated the disguise and sent the sword-bearer back to his master then in his own person the same totila approached the man of god but when he saw him sitting afar off he did not dare to approach him but cast himself on the ground then when the man of god had twice or thrice said to him rise but still he did not dare to raise himself from the earth benedict the servant of jesus christ condescended to approach the prostrate king and caused him to rise he rebuked him for his past deeds and in a few words told him all that should come to pass saying much evil hast thou done much evil art thou doing now at length cease from sin thou shalt enter rome thou shalt cross the sea nine years shalt thou reign in the tenth shalt thou die when he heard these words the king vehemently terrified asked for his prayers and withdrew and from that time forward he was less cruel than aforetime not long afterwards he entered rome and crossed to sicily but in the tenth year of his reign by the judgment of almighty god he lost his kingdom with his life soon after this meeting in five forty three benedict died leaving his monastery of monte cassino as a kind of beacon light shining through the darkness and confusion of the years that followed the rule that benedict drew up for his monks was adopted by other monasteries till it became and remained for hundreds of years the monastic rule for all monks of the west up to this time the monasteries of western europe had adopted rules from the east but had been very lax in discipline benedict's regula provided a uniform system of monastic life strict enough to curb the hot passions and self-will of the time yet not so strict as to be impossible to enforce benedict himself describes them as a school of divine service in which nothing too heavy or rigorous will be established the two central principles of the regula are labour and obedience each monk must spend seven hours a day in manual labour and two hours in reading he must also yield prompt and willing obedience to the commands of the abbot who however was not an absolute monarch over his little realm since he was obliged to consult the monks in chapter about all questions of importance affecting the monastery on the death of an abbot his successor was to be elected by the monks every monastery was to have its own mill bakery and gardens so that the monks would not be obliged to depend on the outside world for supplies hospitality was to be offered freely to strangers and to the poor let every stranger be received says the rule as though he were christ himself for it is christ himself who shall one day say to us i was a stranger and ye took me in absolute community of goods existed within the monastery every monk being obliged on admission to renounce all private property the monks were recruited from two sources there were 
first the children entrusted by their parents to the monastery and secondly the men of mature age who sought shelter in monastic life from the troubles and temptations of the world according to benedict's rule these candidates were to be subjected to severe tests and a year of probation as novices before they were admitted to membership once admitted they bound themselves by the strictest vows to remain for life in the monastic order the rules regulate the life of the monks in every detail seven times a day they were to gather in the chapel for services which consisted largely of psalms chanted by the monks at meals which were simple but adequate each monk served in turn they slept not in separate cells but in one long dormitory and by the rules of the order were to sleep in their day clothes and shoes and to train themselves to do with very little sleep so completely did the rule of st benedict supersede all other monastic rules in western europe that charles the great two hundred and fifty years later ordered a careful inquiry to be made as to whether there were any monks in his dominions who observed any other rule than that of st benedict and later monastic rules such as those of cluny in the tenth century or of citeaux in the twelfth were only attempts to interpret in relation to the needs of later times the regula of the father of western monasticism the age that followed the death of benedict was the great missionary age of western monasticism it would be impossible to tell in detail the story of the labors of the monks who carried the christian faith to the teutonic and slavonic peoples of western europe one of the greatest of them columban may serve as a type for the rest in the sixth and seventh centuries ireland became a great centre of literary culture and of missionary effort its schools helped to keep alive the study of the great latin authors whose works were in danger of being forgotten and its missionaries went out into all the lands of western europe columban five forty three to six fifteen was born in ireland in the same year that benedict died at monte cassino he was educated in the liberal arts of grammar rhetoric and geometry and fled to monastic life to escape the allurements of the world he first went to bangor and then with twelve monks as his companions to gaul where finding religion and morality at a low ebb he set himself to the task of reviving them he then settled in burgundy under king gontram who gave him a disused castle on the site of an old roman town at luxeuil in the forest country of the vosges mountains there a great monastery grew up over which columban exercised stern discipline his rule was much stricter than that of st benedict too strict indeed to be kept by any but an elect few columban's irish customs soon brought him into contest with the bishops of gaul and to this was added a contest with brunhilda and her grandson who had succeeded gontram in five ninety three as king in burgundy as a result he was expelled from luxeuil after visiting the kings of neustria and austrasia he determined to undertake the directly missionary work to which he had long been drawn and settled at Bregenz among the still heathen alemanni his chief helper was gaul the apostle of swiss christianity and founder of the far-famed monastery of st gaul the methods of the missionaries were not those best calculated to avert opposition 
we read of their throwing the idols of the people into the lake and even burning down the temples they were reduced to living on such fruits and fish as they could find for themselves obliged at last to leave alemania columban crossed the alps into italy and found his way to the court of agilolf the lombard king whose wife theodolinda of bavaria had already done much to bring christianity to the lombards agilolf gave columban some land at bobbio in the apennines and there he built a monastery which became a great missionary centre for the conversion of the lombards from arianism in his old age he left Babio to pass his closing days in solitude at Trebia, and there he died in 615. Columban's rule gradually gave place in the monasteries he had founded to the milder and more practicable rule of St. Benedict, and the three great monasteries of Luxeuil, St. Gall, and Bobbio remained for long as centres of light and learning in Burgundy, Switzerland, and northern Italy from luxeuil the monastic system spread into neustria and a number of daughter monasteries grew up of which jumiege and remiremont are the most famous End of chapter seven